Welcome to the LGBT Consortium podcast. Consortium supports LGBT plus groups, organisations and projects across the UK so that LGBT communities in need have access to the best support possible. This podcast series will be taking a deeper dive into the issues that matter to the LGBT community and finding out more about our members and the work they do. Welcome, my name is Leo, my pronouns are he, they, and I'm the communications officer at Consortium. During Pride season, we are inviting member organisations to talk about the work they do and the importance of supporting the LGBTQIA plus sector during this time and all year round. Today, I'll be talking to Jamie Wareham, founder of Queer AF. Jamie, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi Leo, thanks for having us on. Yeah, I'm Jamie, he, him, um, and I've been a journalist for about nine years. Uh, I also always wanted to be one of those journalists that didn't burn out by the time they were 30. And here I am a week before that uh, birthday uh, speaking to you because I absolutely did and have set up an organisation to try and help other people to not face the same thing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Firstly, can you tell us about the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. So Queer is, is basically here to help you understand the LGBTQIA plus world, particularly the news and the headlines, uh, but also ultimately to support career creatives um, to go on to, to work with us, to build a career with us and then go on to work in the media so they can change it. Because um, basically we recognise that only a media industry that represents hires and therefore understands us can help shift the narrative on being queer in the UK. And at the moment it's failing us on all three points. And can you tell us um, what are the barriers to queer creatives in the media and how does the work you do help them? I mean, it's it's really tough to be queer anywhere, right? And in the media, where there's a lot of very divisive content and headlines, there's all these extra barriers. Um, so I always sort of think about this from like particularly people from kind of low income and migrant backgrounds in the queer community. So a bunch of like uh, like equipment reasons why starting out as a freelancer is really tough. Um, I was really lucky at uni to get a disabled students allowance grant that bought me the ergonomic chair that I'm um, sat on speaking to you right now and a laptop and an audio recorder and so sure I left with 30 grand in debt uh, but I also left with the equipment to be a freelancer and, and I think particularly with a lot of LGBTQIA plus people with there's, there's there's financial reasons why getting in uh, to kind of the media industry is tough um, but alongside that our identity is is, a, is often a, a barrier in the media because of the, the divisive nature of some newsrooms at the moment um, and so um, although um, in, in the the industry I, I would say that there's a lot of kind of gay men a lot of gay male representation um I think the kind of underrepresented parts of our community are kind of well f- frankly nearly every other letter uh, in our acronym I, definitely um and can you tell us briefly about your free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQI plus world yeah, so basically I am a huge advocate of a, of a podcast called Bored and Brilliant which is all about how you can like quit doom scrolling constantly and live a happier life um, and it, it helps you every day to like quit um, a little bit of your kind of addiction to social media anyway I did that I felt way better for it and I just thought imagine if I can help 
kind of people skip the doom scrolling because there's a lot in our community to keep and keep track of you know there's lots of different lived experiences and we're just never going to be able to understand the entire nuances of the differences um and so basically i have taken it upon myself to read the news for everyone else um and then explain it to people at the end of the week on a saturday morning so you can sit there with your with your coffee or frankly for for fresque's uh, iced coffee <laughs> um and and understand the week right so that you can know and trust that like you don't need to sit on Twitter all week working out why you know you know who is trending again you can just trust us to explain it at the end of the week um, but it's also where we commission um, underrepresentative creatives to write about their perspective of the week so it's not just my alleged experience it's someone else's each week um, and um, yeah that scheme is basically designed it was designed by an emerging creative called Matilda Davies and she said I want it to pay and publish people that just don't get the same opportunity uh, by the mainstream media and so it's really nice and what I like about it is um although I kind of like edit the newsletter I don't really like edit that section in in the traditional sense I I, I kind of let the person with the lived experience the person who's writing it lead me um and so we run uh, like a sub-editing session which we call like a retro which is a term we borrowed from startup land um but basically it's like sub-editing session where they're in control um and we also talk about like whether the words that they've used are delivering the impact they want. So we match the intention to the impact. So things like, you know, we were talking the other week uh, to one creative about whether we wanted to talk, use the word reveal when it was talking about coming out. And we sort of said, is it reveal? Because that kind of suggests they had something to hide or is it share because they've just ch chosen. And then we kind of talk about those subtle changes so that the language that we're all using, it really counts. And it helps the way that we communicate, move the story forward rather than, you know, just get stuck in the same content soup as everyone else. Oh, I 100% agree, because I think, like you said, we need um, to give queer creatives more opportunities, especially because the news that we get so often from all the publications that we see as trending on social media are often people who are sort of ignorant because they haven't gone to the queer community and actually talked to us properly. Um, yeah, so the fact that Queer AF is giving a voice to queer creators is absolutely incredible. Yeah. And like, let's be honest as well, like I'm, I'm cisgender as well, but I have a bunch of other intersections and that's my lived experience. And I, and I really believe in leaning on and, and, and working with people's lived experience to understand more. Um, and over the years, I've, I've really shifted my like there's a real thing in journalism and around control and not giving away like what you've written or sharing quotes with people. I'm a strong believer in like like doing some version of copy control and handing that over to the people I'm interviewing I think it, what you get is a much stronger piece of journalism because it's not just you and your lived experience that's written it it means that a bunch more people have kind of built into this like much bigger and broader picture and I think that serves your audience much better oh 100% and also the whole doom scrolling thing I I can admit that as a queer person myself I am guilty of doom scrolling sometimes because there is quite a lot of negativity surrounding the LGBTQIA plus sector at the moment and I've actually signed up to the queer AF newsletter myself and just this Saturday I was sat with my iced latte it was great <laughs> and I was reading the news and it was everything that I needed to read and I, I didn't have to see anything that otherwise I would have gone to look for and then 
doom scrolls you know yeah and this is the thing at the moment we live in this saturated world like constant media like online digital mobile it kind of like bombards us wherever we are but it doesn't really reflect us and i think like for a really long time the media has been driven by short-term revenue-led incentives and that means that the kind of our beautiful spectrum the wonderful queer community we're kind of sidelined in the pursuit of clicks and it, it's all meant that the diversity of those who write our stories has barely changed and like as you just said worst of all we're misrepresented um and, and that's largely based on advertising models and they're struggling and journalists are chasing more and more divisive content uh to deliver for those adverts and not for the audience so where our newsletter is it's free to read because we don't think that information about our lives should be a luxury it's really tough enough to be queer as it is um but like we're, we're free of ads so there's no corporate pressures um we're funded entirely by by members um and we really hope that that allows us to kind of be led by the community because basically when you sign up as a member of the of the newsletter you don't just uh sign up to support us you get uh like a greater editorial say so basically our members when they sign up they say these are the stories i'd like to see my money fund um so it's not like a complete concrete contract you know like we couldn't be overrun by someone that, that wanted to say otherwise but it's a really nice tacit understanding that if, if we at queer F don't deliver on what the members want they won't come back for kind of another year and so it's taken the control out of my hands and put it in the hands of our readers of the community and I love that I love not being in charge <laughs> it's really great though that not only do you support queer creatives but you also have members who um are collaborative with you as well I think that's a really great um thing to do yeah and it means that we're building like a community around our content so I think like podcasts mm -hmm. like like your, like yours are, are really good at building communities and I'm not sure journalism has quite like written journalism has quite worked that out and so that's what we're looking for here we're looking to build like a like a like a community of people that want to support queer creatives that want to see them go on to work in the media and so after getting their first and early commissions with us to go on and do really exciting things and you know have a whole bunch of people going out there trying to change things in different newsrooms where 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 there's there's a lot more kind of different opportunities to embed queer lives like I, we were spoken to a lot of our uh, we were running a scheme called journalists like me at the moment with the lgbtq journalism network um and one of the our writers was talking about how you can like embed queerness into other stories and um, because you know our our lives require a unique take i remember during the uh, the, 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 the 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 height of the kind of covid stuff there was a report that came out about like how covid is going to impact our lives um and i wrote up forbes but i remember the speaking to the people uh, who wrote the report and they said they really struggled to get the lgbt outlets to cover it because their response was well covid's gonna hit hit us all so what's it what's going being kind of queer got to do with that but actually i think that like the nuances of our life require a different kind of reporting they need that lens they need our lived experience because we have different needs and i think that's okay for us to need different things and therefore you know talk about them in different ways Oh, 100 percent because you can definitely tell when something is written by a queer creative or a queer a, cre a queer person you can just yeah. tell you can read that lived experience you can read oh they are part of the community rather than someone who is completely not part of the lgbt community and hasn't done their research very well and is a bit you know sort of ignorant towards what they're writing about 
Yeah, and I think the great example of that recently is if you compare Heartstopper and Love Victor, both great shows, but like Heartstopper takes it that extra 10%, and that's because it's made by LGBT people, you know, and also like just right down to the detail. Like I love that um, Courtney, one of the, the the bisexual YouTuber that does a cameo, is a bisexual YouTuber, and that is their thing. And so like right down to that granular level, they've really thought about how how can we use people's lived experience to make this media better? Um, and I, I think that's awesome. Awesome. Oh, I mean, I loved Heartstopper too. I mean, who doesn't love Heartstopper <laughs> at the moment, right? Um, <laughs> no. And yeah, you can you can so tell that Alice Osman did an incredible job. But you know, I mean, everyone who worked on it was incredible. But you can tell that they definitely put their whole heart into this show, and you could tell it was made by queer people, yeah. um, which I think is amazing and, and I think that's why it's it's become so huge yeah okay so about pride um it's pride season at the moment so I want to know as this year is the 50th anniversary of pride we'd like to know what you'd like to see for the LGBTQIA plus sector going forward yeah it's a, it's a it's a monumental anniversary it's fantastic as well I think what I've seen so growing so I was part of Stonewall's first education for all kind of scheme way way back when when I did a uh my project for with with that scheme was to um to set up a society on campus at college and I think what's really interesting is kind of 10 10 12, 12 years ago when I did that I'm showing my age um is that um we were talking about wanting to be the same. We wanted to be treated equally. I think the conversation has shifted dramatically now. And what we're talking about is like wanting to be celebrated for how different we are. And so I think that we're at this really exciting point. Um, equally, that said, we're obviously in a really difficult set point in the UK sector where uh, our rights are in many ways sliding backwards. Um, for me, I'm hoping that's more of a like taking one step back so we can move two steps forward. But I think we need to be like super cautious and aware that right now uh, we need to kind of think forward. And, and for me, uh, one of the things that's really important um, around campaigning is I often find that uh, because there's a lot going on in our lives, we're very reactive. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm really keen with Career to be, we, we do, you know, we write about the news, we write and, you know, our creators write about their perspectives each week based on something that's happened to them recently. But we're also thinking ahead and starting to build for the future and starting to think about how we can find common ground for some of these things where we disagree. Because um, I think there's so much more power in unity. I think there's a lot more, we can look at kind of like our history to learn that actually it's when we build uh, and grow together. And so I think that's like, I'm, I'm speaking broad strokes here, but like finding more common ground as a starting place to, to tackle some of the, the inequalities and the lack of equity that we have um, is for me something that I'd really like to see lots and lots more. I think we already do it very well, but like lots and lots more of. Oh yeah, definitely. And how do you think people can best support the community during Pride season and all year round? So one of the things we wrote in our our newsletter at the start of June was that we didn't really have anything planned special for Pride Month because we do Pride Month all year round. You know, like that's very much a thing. Um, when I'm writing for Forbes, I get uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people, PRs dropping my inbox in the week before June saying, oh, are you writing anything about rainbow products? And I kind of reply to them and say, um, I will be in July. So if you want to talk to me then, come back to me. Um, I don't get very many replies back. Um, and so I think when it comes to thinking about Pride, it's about thinking about actions that take 
you can take all year round, right? And so, like, so for us, what we said to the readers of our newsletter is, you know, are you going to buy uh, another Pride T-shirt, or could you fund a commission with us that is going to have a longer impact because it doesn't just uh, go out as a piece; it comes with like a writing session and stuff. And so, I want, I, I kind of would be say to like people at home to be thinking about kind of what actions can you take that last way beyond the pride season um but I also don't love to just stick on the individual I think that there's a lot of stuff out there in the system that needs to change and and I think um like when we're talking about the changes that we need to see there are people in decision-making places that have way bigger power than us and I and I think about this particularly with like climate change right I think that the the oil giants would much rather us be um uh, all fighting over whether we should have plastic straws at events because if we're doing that then we're not talking about like fossil fuels and these bigger things at play and so I, and I and I use that as a metaphor because I think there's something that we can take from that for LGBTQIA plus people as well instead of like thinking about what we all can individually do what can we individually ask like gatekeepers and people that are in positions to like change the system what what can we be asking of them to do because I think actually you know there's this is the thing the problem I have with a lot of the media a lot of the stories we see they're very focused on the what of the story which is great at driving awareness and often drumming home a lots of lots of trauma I'm really interested in the why of the story because it's the why that turns that awareness into action and I think we need to be thinking a lot more about understanding the nuances of all of that stuff so that we can move that action all year round instead of just being aware I don't think awareness is enough anymore yeah yeah because like for example like you've just said where awareness is not a month awareness is not enough I yeah. think I've really what I've really liked is that um, a lot of like days of awareness have sort of changed to uh, autism acceptance month changed from um, autism awareness month, and I like the fact that it changed to acceptance rather than awareness. Yeah. So, I 100% agree that it's not enough to just be aware of these things. Yeah, and like I think those days are really great because they're a really good moment to unify around us in the same way that Pride Month is a really great way. It's really interesting because I'm writing a a newsletter that sums up LGBT kind of news output from everywhere. (laughs) I didn't have that much to find in June because what I I saw was like regurgitated versions of what we write about all year round. So there wasn't actually that much new said in June. Um, It was really interesting actually that as soon as Pride Month was over, it was almost one of the biggest... um, uh, at Newsweeks for, for LGBT folk. I'm, I'm speaking, we're speaking in the weeks after. Um, so the 53 years of Stonewall, 50 years in the UK, 30 years of Euro Pride, uh, but also the Not Safe to Be Me protests. And of course, the really sad stuff that happened in Oslo where two people lost their lives and 21 people were injured. Um, and for me, it was really telling that all of that, like quite accidentally, what happened in the week after Pride Month. You know, it says a lot. Yeah that we need to have this <laughs> it's a conversation that does need to carry on around and, and yeah 100 percent. and what would you like to see organizations do more during pride season and so, i mean all year round yeah and so one thing that i ask corporates is um when 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 they say, when the pr send me those rainbow product uh, press releases i say i ask them what are you doing all year round uh, and i say are you guaranteeing uh, some of the money and uh, what kind of pro bono support are you offering these small organizations that are giving money to you know like what what is it that you're like are you embedded in 
these organizations in supporting them or are you just giving them some cash because frankly the cash is great and it makes a huge difference particularly to like small lgbtqia plus organizations like us and in fact all consortium members all of that cash donation really makes a big difference but actually for me the thing that really makes a difference is cash plus it's it's that it like sharing those learnings that you have made as a huge organization to support smaller ones so that they don't have to learn those lessons on their own and so that you can lift some of that weight on their behalf I think that's a really important part of any kind of allyship right is like learning about what you can do what what heavy lifting can you do so that you're not completely reliant and leaning on the people with lived experience to do to do all of that hard work because when someone it comes from a marginalized group they obviously have a bunch of difficulties and often traumas that they have to carry around. So I think it's right to try and lift some of that weight for them. A hundred percent. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. And um, what's something that's brought you joy through your work with, uh, with um, Queer AF or just what brings you joy during Pride season? I love Queer Joy. More of it, please. Um, I think what's really interesting about Gorayef, right, is that, um, so obviously we write about tough stuff sometimes as well, but one of our best performing pieces was on the the radical queerness of putting non-binary joy on TV um, in the Great Pottery Throwdown. Um, oh. It remains one of our most popular pieces. And I just think it says so much that joy is so underserved. And so that's how I feel about joy. But for me, the thing that I get week in week out that I just love doing is I love sitting and running our sub-editing sessions the retrospectives that I touched upon um like someone uh we have a bit of a feedback form on someone wrote it up as sort of describing it as like therapy but if you're writing um which I kind of really love and I just what I really enjoy about those sessions is we take time to think about the intention and and match the impact to it and make sure we're getting it right and making sure that the creatives are not just getting a commission and getting paid but they're like learning and growing um I really I absolutely love those sessions I love and I, what what's great about them as well is we get the chance to kind of talk about the perspective behind the piece so I often learn a bunch more and it's those conversations that often end up making that piece much stronger so just taking we're only half an hour long but that taking that little bit of time to get it right and improve it and just get to know people it develops a much stronger kind of trust and understanding and it allows us to tackle much trickier subjects with a lot more energy because we, we we've taken the time to understand it yeah a hundred percent yeah definitely well jamie thank you so much for coming on and talking to me um finally where can people find you thank you very much we are queerif.com is the best place to go um we're also on socials with the similar handles um although someone nabbed that on instagram so you have to stick a bit of an underscore on it for instagram um instagram's a great place to actually get a bit of a feel for who we are um because we put a lot of a we, we kind of we were like a tldr of the like a too long didn't read of the of the queer world anyway and our instagram is like a tldr of the tldr um so it's like a really good place to launch off but no um i really encourage people to sign up to their newsletter if they're they're exhausted by the news um we we get a lot of people and it's really lovely what you said about it but yeah a lot of people say I, I read you every week with my coffee um and so yeah power to the people that are off the algorithms and um supporting queer creatives instead 100 percent, and we need more of that more supporting <laughs> queer creatives definitely thank you so much jamie for talking to me that was that was so lovely to talk to you about everything excellent well thanks for having us
Thank you for listening to the LGBT Consortium podcast. You can find more about what we do from our website, consortium.lgbt, and on social media at LGBT Consortium Everywhere. Thank you.